You're listening to a podcast from JNNP. It's a real pleasure to introduce this series of podcasts from the BNPA annual meeting in London. It's an engaged programme and a particular delight is to have Dr Neil Harrison, who's a consultant neuropsychiatrist and the head of the Psychoneuroimmunology Lab at the Brighton and Sussex Medical School. Neil's uh, group are well known for their work on inflammation and its potential role in the brain. I think as he says in his abstract, the brain was once considered an immune privilege site, but it's becoming increasingly clear that that is not the story. And Neil, can I perhaps just ask you to give us a quick synopsis of what your, your work that you're going to be speaking about at the conference is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the work that I'm going to be covering is really, I guess, this this new field or relatively new field of um, immunopsychiatry. So, so how is it that the immune system interacts with the brain to affect behaviour? And in particular for psychiatrists, how does that result in common mental symptoms and common mental illnesses? So, for example, depression um, and also perhaps a little bit on schizophrenia and the potential role of early inflammatory challenge and the risk of subsequently developing neurodevelopmental disorders such as schizophrenia. So really the data that I'm going to be going over is going to be largely related to depression. Um, At the moment, depression really governs a lot of the research in this field. What is it about inflammation and depression? Um, How does inflammation result in a bunch of behavioural changes known as sickness symptoms that when you look at them are remarkably similar to the symptoms that that we know of as depression. There's some quite nice data which has been accumulated over decades now really looking at um, epidemiological studies so looking at groups of people with idiopathic depression and it's now fairly fairly well established that these people have an increase in inflammatory markers circulating in their blood. Now of course the question is is that causal or is that just a correlate um, in the, in this group? So I guess some of the more important work and some of the more convincing work, I think, is looking at healthy individuals who are treated with immune-stimulating medication. So what tends to happen there is the use of interferon, say for the treatment of hepatitis C or for the treatment of malignant melanomas. And what's really striking about this group is about a third of them, maybe even as many as a half, will develop major depressive episodes during that treatment. So I think that's some of the most sort of compelling evidence to suggest that if you acutely or chronically inflame somebody, you increase their chance of developing a major depressive episode. Some of the other data that I'll be looking at is um, some brain imaging data that's been acquired from my own group, suggesting, again, if you take healthy volunteers, you experimentally inflame them, you can reliably induce subtle reductions in mood. You're not inducing depression, but looking at the brain imaging data, what this appears to be doing is is modulating mood regulatory circuits that are also implicated in the etiology of depression. The other area that I think is rapidly gaining traction is the question of how best to treat individuals with depression. I mean, there haven't been any major advances in any new classes of medications coming out for treating depression now for, well, for, for decades. And there have been a number of small studies, admittedly at the moment, suggesting that anti-inflammatory medications may play a role in the treatment of idiopathic depression. So there's, a, there's at least three relatively small studies looking at simple medications, um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like celecoxib, that suggest that when these are added into standard treatment, they can improve depression symptoms. There's two other 
quite interesting studies using a much more complex and much more expensive medication which blocks an individual cytokine, TNF, and anti-TNF medication that's also been shown to improve depressive symptoms both in people with psoriasis but also in people that otherwise had treatment-resistant depression. So I think this is quite an exciting area for, for future research. It's fascinating work. I can certainly well remember the, the, the first case I saw getting treated for hepatitis C and the sort of terrifyingly intense depressive illness the, the, the chap developed. Um, I think for a lot of clinicians, there are exciting questions about this. I mean, particularly the idea of novel therapeutics, because one, one feels we're in a sort of receptor-driven <laughs> silo to some extent with a, a range of Me Too drugs that aren't taking things that further. But this does seem to offer the potential to open a whole new range of, 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 of drugs. And to what extent do you think that is a realistic potential? Or are we seeing a false dawn? <laughs> Well, this is, I mean, this is clearly a, a major worry. I mean, a, a drug, drug companies, pharma, the pharmaceutical industry has withdrawn a lot of funding from, from mental health or neuroscience research, and that's obviously a big concern as a clinician. The medications that have been tried or trialed at the moment, the anti-inflammatories, many of them are pretty expensive drugs. They're thousands of pounds. So, so I think one really does need to question the real-world utility of these medications. Will they really be used in individuals with depression? And I think the answer to that at the moment is, well, perhaps we need to be looking at where their utility lies. For example, does it lie in people with treatment-resistant depression who have marked inflammatory profile? So can we use genomics in some way to look and see if we can identify those individuals that have a pro-inflammatory sort of phenotype and are therefore perhaps more likely to respond to these medications. So I think it is very much early days at the moment. But but one other area that I think is of interest is there are a lot of anti-inflammatory medications, immune modulating medications that have been already trialed for use in a number of other inflammatory disorders outside of psychiatry. Currently, we don't know whether they also will have an effect on, on mental illnesses. So I think there is a rich database already established that we could go back and take a look at and see whether by reanalyzing some of this data, looking particularly at mental health outcomes, we can identify any efficacy. And do you think this field of research will be illuminating in the wider context? And I'm thinking here of some well-known and fairly confirmed epidemiological findings of depression as a risk factor for disorders like stroke and myocardial infarction. Could this be the missing link as to why that occurs, do you feel, if, if depression is an inflammatory illness? Or is that taking things a step too far? I think, I mean, there are so many open questions, I think, at the moment. I mean, what... Does, does depression cause inflammation or does inflammation cause depression? We've, we're not clear about the causal link there at the moment. I mean, there is some data, again, from epidemiological studies. There's a large um, follow-up study from the Whitehall cohort, which suggested that inflammation seems to predict development of depression and not that depression leads to an increase in inflammation. So I think, I think these are still issues that, that need to be completely resolved. Excellent. Neil, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us today. It's going to be a fascinating talk. We're all looking forward to it. Great. Thank you.